Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. In yesterday's video, I re-ranked the 2021 draft class at the quarterback and wide receiver positions. And then I talked about how in today's video, I was going to go through the other positions. So running backs and tight ends. So top 10 running backs from that class, I think a top five or six tight ends kind of gets rough at the end there, but top five or six tight ends. While you guys are watching, if you're enjoying the content, just do me a favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's jump into the running backs and starting off at the top here, I have Najee Harris at number one. This is definitely, you know, a decent debate here between Najee Harris and Javante Williams. I am going to end up going with Najee. He saw one of the top workloads in the NFL, number two in total carries, number one in targets at the running back position. The problem was is that his efficiency was just really poor everywhere. And obviously he's not getting any help from his offensive line, which was really bad, or his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who obviously is a shell of himself. So as a whole, the offense wasn't good and it really wasn't setting him up for a lot of success, especially in terms of efficiency, but also like on a per touch basis, he really just wasn't great at creating on his own. So when we're looking at total volume, he was the number two running back in yards created. So you may say, oh, like that sounds like a good number. He's creating yards, you know, he's elusive, all this stuff. But when you look at yards created per touch, he was 30th. So really not even close to the top there. I do think Williams has a decent shot of actually jumping Najee Harris this offseason, but a lot of it is dependent on the Broncos offseason moves. Whereas right now with Najee Harris, I just think he's the safest bet to have a monster workload. Plus, you never know what happens this offseason. This team could turn around. You know, maybe they hit on a quarterback in the draft. Maybe they kind of bolster this offensive line. So there's also stuff that could kind of benefit Najee here. And number two, I already mentioned him, Javante Williams. I think looking at just skill for skill, like the most talented running back out of this 2021 class, I think Javante Williams is the best running back. Like if I was starting a team or, you know, you're looking at a neutral team, you know, decent offensive line, decent quarterback, all this stuff. If I could choose one running back, it would be Javante Williams. And if Melvin Gordon leaves and they don't really bring in anyone else to be super competitive with Williams, he is going to be the RB1 moving forward, especially if they're able to upgrade at quarterback. You know, there's a lot of rumors going around about guys potentially switching teams. Aaron Rodgers, those have kind of died down a little bit. Seems like he's good in Green Bay. We've got Russell Wilson, who you know may want to explore it. Deshaun Watson is out there. A lot of studs in the draft. Not a lot of studs, but you know, some players who may fall, you know, mid first round. I would say when you're looking at like the grand scheme of things from the 2021 season, you got to be pretty impressed with Javante Williams. He was in a nearly dead even committee here between him and Melvin Gordon, but he still managed to finish with 1,219 scrimmage yards and seven touchdowns. So still produced at a high level, you know, basically being 50-50 with the total opportunities. Then at number three, I have Travis Etienne. And obviously, you know, his fantasy value has been all over the place. Going into the draft, he was pretty locked in as like a top three running back. Some people had him as the RB1. Some people had him as the RB3. You know, in that tier with Najee Harris and Javante Williams, I really didn't like him getting drafted by the Jaguars. Obviously, it's not ideal when you're throwing him into an offense that already has a super established running back and someone who has performed well. Then he gets hurt, is out for the season. Obviously, his stock is going to take a major hit because we know that James Robinson is very capable. So, you know, once Travis Etienne gets back, 
Is he going to be able to be the RB1? And then there was another huge shift where James Robinson goes out and tears his Achilles, which obviously is just horrible news, you know, for James Robinson fantasy owners. James Robinson is the player. But when you're just strictly looking at fantasy value, I mean, that is going to help Travis Etienne a ton, should give him at least a little bit of a leg up going into the 2022 season. And Robinson only has one year left on that contract, which means that after next season, you know, Travis Etienne could have this backfield locked down, and that would be for at least three years on that five-year rookie contract. Plus, there's always the hope that the Jaguars rebuild correctly. And then, you know, Etienne could be a potential RB1 moving forward and a very, you know, key piece in a young offense. At number four, I have Michael Carter. And this was a really tough call between Carter and Mitchell. That backfield for the Jets should be wide open going into 2022. And I'd be pretty shocked if Carter wasn't the clear number one. Like I'm not saying he's going to get some monster workload, but he should be the guy getting, you know, at least 60% of the opportunities. He saw early fourth round draft capital. So not fantastic, but also not horrible. That's definitely a little bit of a difference between him and Mitchell. And another plus for Michael Carter was that he did see a really solid role in the receiving game, averaging 3.9 targets per game to go along with his 10 and a half carries. Number five, I mentioned him. It is Elijah Mitchell. He was just a great fantasy option all season long. You know, a potential waiver wire pickup who could have really made your season, carried you, you know, to the playoffs or to a championship, kind of a James Robinson level pickup in terms of fantasy. And I think if we knew, you know, going into 2022, 2023, he was going to be the 49ers workhorse, he would definitely be above Carter. You could maybe make an argument for him above Travis Etienne, but there is always that uncertainty when a player doesn't have that high draft capital. Because if someone performs well as a first round pick, you know, you can't just go out and bring in a dude to replace him. We saw this whole situation last year with James Robinson. He's undrafted, plays crazy well, and they just don't care. They go out, draft a first round running back because it really doesn't seem like a smart decision. And I do think they have a lot of, you know, smart people in that organization. But Mitchell just doesn't have a lot of security as a sixth round draft pick. And I also think, you know, on a season to season basis, his ceiling may be capped just because this 49ers offense doesn't have a ton of receiving work for those backs, especially if Trey Lance takes over, you know, he's going to be running the ball a lot. Does that limit Elijah Mitchell's potential workload? But I really hope he's able to maintain that RB1 role because I think, you know, he's a fun player to watch and just a really solid story, you know, as someone who was just buried on the depth chart, you know, in the offseason, comes in and is now leading that backfield in the playoffs. At number six, I've got Ramondre Stevenson, who put together a really solid rookie season. In 12 games, we saw him tally 728 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns. Damian Harris is signed through 2022, so we may not see, you know, a Ramondre Stevenson RB one year until maybe 23, but I do think he could definitely step in as the number one, you know, in a year or two. It does seem unlikely that Belichick is going to switch to a full-on workhorse, so his ceiling is definitely capped, but a very solid, you know, running back to have on your roster. Then at number seven, I think there's a pretty clear fall off here, and this is where I have Kenneth Gainwell. He showed some flashes throughout the season. I definitely had some higher hopes for him, you know, especially considering that Miles Sanders went down. I kind of thought he would have the opportunity to step in and be the running back one. That's not really how it played out, but I think the clear positive for Gainwell is that he is a fantastic receiving back 
and he doesn't necessarily need to be the lead running back on a team, you know, to be fantasy relevant. We've seen kind of like these scat backs perform well when they just have a really nice role in the receiving game. So that kind of opportunity could be there moving forward. At number eight, I have Khalil Herbert. He filled in very well for David Montgomery when he was dealing with that knee injury, basically took over that same workload. So right now, he's not really anything more than a handcuff, but definitely someone you should value on your teams. And then Chuba Hubbard here at number nine, kind of another handcuff option. The Panthers running back two. It's not ideal that late in the season, you know, he was pretty clearly splitting touches with Amir Abdullah, but you know, this late in the top 10, these options aren't all going to be fantastic. And then at number 10, it is Trey Sermon. Major, major disappointment this season. He's really only on here because he got third round draft capital. He did nothing, you know, this year, but because he was picked there, he's just going to be getting more opportunities than some players who were picked later in the draft. And, you know, maybe he carves out a role in future seasons and, you know, kind of just has a late NFL breakout. Now let's shift over to the top five tight ends. And I think at number one here, this is pretty obvious. We've got Kyle Pitts, the clear cut number one option, second most receiving yards all time by a rookie tight end. And honestly has a very strong argument to be the dynasty overall tight end one. You can make an argument for Mark Andrews, but I mean, the age of Kyle Pitts, that historic rookie production, I just don't think you can pass that up. And number two, this is also pretty obvious here, Pat Fryermuth, 16 games, he caught 60 passes for 497 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. He really had a great season considering the fact that rookie tight ends tend to struggle. So, I mean, you know, this could be an average tight end season for most fantasy options, but putting up these numbers as a rookie is definitely a great sign of things to come. Overall, I do think he has a limited ceiling just because he's not one of these top tier athletes. When you're looking at tight end ones or high end tight end ones, you guys like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, they're all fantastic athletes. But you know, if his ceiling is like a mid tier tight end one, I think you're probably okay with that with where you're drafting him in rookie drafts. And number three, definitely a fall off here. It's Brevin Jordan. He was someone that had a little bit of hype, you know, going into the testing process before the draft, but he fell off of most people's radars after he had some subpar athletic testing. And then he also fell to the fifth round in the NFL draft. But I mean, when we're looking at these other tight ends, he logged 20 receptions, 178 receiving yards and three touchdowns on an offense that was not great. So, you know, he doesn't have that top tier ceiling, like I mentioned, like a guy like Fryermuth, but still, you know, someone to watch moving forward. Number four, I have Tommy Tremble, solid athlete and received third round draft capital. They got him involved in some spots, but ended up only tallying 180 receiving yards and two total touchdowns. And then the final tight end here is going to be Jacob Harris. And Harris has not logged a single reception all season long. He appeared in eight games and then tore his ACL. It may seem kind of crazy that he's on this list considering he has never caught an NFL pass, but he's just an absolute freak athlete. And like I mentioned, when you're trying to target those ceiling plays, you want someone who is a fantastic athlete. He was in the 99th percentile of tight ends for 40-yard dash, 87th percentile in speed score, 99th percentile in burst, 100th percentile in agility score, and 99th percentile in catch radius. So if he can put it all together, we know he has the tools to, you know, be one of these high-end tight end ones. But that is going to wrap it up for my 2021 draft class running back and tight end re-rankings. 
If you guys enjoyed the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Thank you all for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.